0: The status perfectus, being a declaration of principles for the self-governance of the kindred of the free state. We, the kindred of the free state, do hereby declare that we and our progeny and all kindred who choose freedom over oppression and liberty over tyranny, of all clans and generations, have as an inherent part of their being the spiritual substance called libertas, or free will, We further declare that, as we have freed ourselves from the bonds of mortality, so must we free ourselves from the forces that would rob us of our libertas. Not only must we continue to struggle on our behalf, but on behalf of our brothers and sisters, who continue to be robbed of their libertas by oppression, ignorance and fear. The Anarch Free State is the political expression of that struggle. In choosing to free ourselves from political tyranny, We have also chosen to embrace our own Libertas, and that of our brother and sister kindred everywhere. For these reasons we, the kindred of the Anarch Free State, meeting this night in solemn convocation, do hereby pledge ourselves to the following principles. We declare ourselves to be free and independent, owing allegiance to no creature and no organization. We declare our ability to rule ourselves with no prince, no primogen, and no other ruler other than that we choose for ourselves. We declare our kinship with oppressed kindred everywhere, and offer a home to all kindred of all generations and clans who will agree to dwell in harmony with us. We further accept our responsibility to our oppressed brothers and sisters everywhere, and pledge to assist them at all times and in all places in their own struggle for the freedom that we declare to be the birthright of all kindred from now until the end of time. We recognize our responsibility to maintain the masquerade and we pledge to protect and defend it. We establish this status perfectus and recognize its duty to all kindred. Rebellion is inherent to the nature of the vampire. It runs as a curse in the Cainite's veins, handed down generation after generation from the first murderous revolt of Cain, Kinslayer. The facade of conformity under the auspices of the masquerade has caused many kindred to believe otherwise, to think that even they can create long-lasting peace. But a facade it is. What kindred do not harbor secret hates and lusts for power, and dream of when their chance will come to rule over all eternity? The Anarch Revolt came officially to an end with the Treaty of the Convention of Thorns in 1493. Placated, or subdued, depending on who you're asking, the upstart Neonates and Ancillae of the Cainites joined their elders in the Camarilla with the promise that none of those who had called themselves Anarchs would be punished for their allegiance to the cause. Indeed, the phrasing explicitly says that, be it known that the Anarchs will enjoin with the Camarilla as an accepted part making it whole. Anarchs are expected to work peacefully, to achieve their own ends. They must become defenders of all, and they shall receive full entitlement to all rights and privileges, belonging to all Camarilla kindred. All Anarchs shall be accepted back unto their elders, and their formerly denounced clans, without any fear of reprisal. Never once does the treaty demand that the Anarchs abandon their creed or name, and in fact, it even offers them some modicum of protection. One can speculate why the letter of the word was so gracious, the reality wasn't nearly as forgiving during the time, but it has since allowed for a loophole that even modern-day anarchs see fit to use. Simply put, it allows them to be left to their own devices in the Camarilla, and even remain under its protection, as long as they don't threaten the masquerade, or the traditions. When the treaty was signed and the period of retribution from wronged elders came to an end, things almost turned back to how it had been before the revolt. I say almost, because there were some significant changes, least of all the massive psychological impact on both sides of the conflict. The elders now knew with certainty that their young, when pushed, would pose a horrifying threat. Their paranoia multiplied a hundredfolds, These older vampires clung to the stability of the Ivory Tower even fiercer, and for the first time in hundreds, if not thousands of years, collaboration across clans to a relatively common goal became desired. As for the Anarchs, those who decided not to sign the treaty ended up forming the Sabbat, this dreaded Sword of Cain that constantly threatens the stability of the Camarilla. Indeed, it was the pride of the Camarilla that brought upon them this issue, as they absolutely refused to ever acknowledge that the Anarchs had won anything. Because the Camarilla dictated the terms, rather than offer up even the illusion of negotiation, the resolve of those who still felt for their cause was reignited, sparking the birth of the Sabbat. The Anarchs also learned that, no matter how powerful, no matter how seemingly unreachable an elder was, they could be killed. The La Sombra, Tsimitsi, and even the Cappadocian Giovanni and his brood, had proven this beyond doubt. Even more importantly, these neonates also learned that the laws and rules these elders had put in place to subjugate their childer simply were not real. The concept of libertas was born in this time. The idea that each kindred was their own individual, free to pursue her own ideals and unlife. This core belief remained alive in those whose hearts burned for the Anarch cause and time and time again it would flare up through history. The French Revolution saw this fire stoked immensely. Inspired by the events leading up to the formation of the United States of America, several enclaves of Anarchs got embroiled in the local politics of France, where similar sentiments were already spreading amongst the poor and the working class. The Toreadors were the dominant clan of Paris, and in fact large parts of France, and many Anarchs chafed under the strict rule of Francois Villon, just as the mortals did under King Louis XVI. As the Bastille was stormed, the Anarchs joined in, not completely out of self-interest, but also a shared sympathy for those struggling the most under the French monarchy. In a night, events were set in motion that would change the political scene of all of Europe, yet even as the Anarchs of Paris celebrated, the mortal spirit of liberty, equality, and fraternity were sacrificed on the pyres of human ambition, as the national convention shattered into countless fractions and, through the manipulation of Ventrue and Torridor agents, eventually dissolved to leave Napoleon Bonaparte, the new ruler. Although their coup had failed, the Anarchs had reminded the elders of the Camarilla that their will to be free would never truly die. Yet, it would take several generations before anything remotely like what happened in Paris would come to occur again. That event was the creation of the Anarch Free State in 1944. It is an event I covered briefly in my previous video on the Bruja, but it cannot be overstated what a fundamental change this revolution brought upon kindred society. Up until then, the Anarchs had been a tolerated presence in the Camarilla, a youth group in the eyes of the elders who indulged their childer into running free with other children until it came time to come back and learn how to be a proper vampire. True, there were some Anarchs who persistently caused the local Camarilla trouble, and some even traveled around, like the infamous Smiling Jack, causing trouble wherever he showed up, but there was never an organized movement, There was never a physical goal, a concrete vision for these bouts of unrest. Yet the movement founded by Jeremy McNeil did not arise out of a plan or ambition, but rather as a counter-reaction to the cruelty and incompetence of a Camarilla prince and his council of primogen. As the initial fires settled and the Anarchs consolidated their new-gained territory, the Revolutionary Council, who up until then had been primarily concerned with the warfare against the Camarilla, sat down to pen the status perfectus, the perfect state, which was a declaration of independence for the Anarch-free state. Yet even as this declaration was written and signed by the Council before its dissolution, very little of its grand vision would come to pass. Immediately upon the end of the conflict, the local kindred organized themselves into gangs under barons, declaring territories and waging a constant, low-intensity war with each other over Los Angeles and the rest of the Free State. Any anarch or philosopher who traveled to witness this New Carthage, as some would describe it, were horrified at the state of things. Several prominent Anarchs were all that kept the AFS together, as it seemed that the very nature of vampirism would never allow for a peaceful existence together. Vannevar Thomas, the Prince of San Francisco, and the man who had tried in vain to warn Prince François Vion about the upcoming revolution in Paris, had holed up in San Francisco, fighting off the Anarchs. Yet he was also in a constant struggle with the one Quay, who wanted to gain ground in the Americas the Anarchs fared no better, one of their leaders abandoning the cause to side with the East Asian vampires and threatening to topple the entire AFS. For a brief time during this, a venture by the name of Sebastian Lacroix attempted to move in and seize power over Los Angeles, exploiting the fact that the Anarchs were in a conflict with both the Sabbat and the Wan at the time. Due to the actions of an unknown, but reputedly very young kindred, however, Lacroix's attempt was not only thwarted, but both he and his imposing sheriff were destroyed by this kindred, leaving a significant power vacuum behind. The AFS had endured and survived organized attacks by both the Camarilla and the Sabbat during its 50-odd years of existence, but when the Wan Kuei came with the offer of including any and all kindred who professed their loyalty into what they called the New Promised Mandarinet, Things were different. To many anarchs, the message was clear: join us or die. San Diego, ruled by Terra, one of the original barons, has also recently turned to the Camarilla once more, weakening the anarch forces in the area significantly. Tara cares about her city and about becoming prince, and she considers Vannevar a rival, as he too has set his eyes on Los Angeles now that LaCroix is out of the picture. Salvador Garcia, the man who penned the Anarch Manifesto, and one of the original leaders of the revolution, has lost faith in the AFS, and welcomes the Wang Kuei, seeing in them the possibility to reform the Anarchs, bringing them together under new and stronger leadership, as the system put in place clearly is not working. Jeremy McNeil, meanwhile, Garcia's old friend and the man around whom the Anarchs formed their revolution, is likewise disillusioned with the end result. The internal strife, the never-ending Jihad, has worn down the previously charismatic and inspiring leader and he desperately looks for an out, hoping to move somewhere else and maybe start over, yet unable to do so as his fame and obligations tie him to the City of Angels. Some say that the Anarch-Free States won't survive for much longer, too many forces hell-bent on its destruction, Yet others argue that no matter who is at the helm, the vision that was penned down all those years ago and the belief in the Libertas will not stop until the last Anarch of the Free States dies. And with so much on the line, it is easy to forget that the Anarch movement is global. Wherever there are Camarilla, so too will there be Anarchs, raising their fists against the oppressive rulers of the Ivory Tower. Our work has pleased the antediluvian snow who has risen to oversee it. Long may he reign, this dark god. The Methuselah Aubrey Ayers, whose wisdom transcends the boundaries of our understanding, and her satanic majesty Danny, reborn through fire and ice, are likewise worthy of our devotion. We are truly blessed to serve such illustrious masters. The council would also especially thank these primogen for their contribution to its work. Maximilian S. Hardcastle, 06, and Stonewolf 18. Your wisdom, experience, and good judgment shall be the torchlight by which we conduct our affairs. Also, it would like to extend a warm welcome to its two newest members, Jokerman and Cal Constantine. May your insight and experience enlighten us all. Our elders Edward Reed, Dante the Canine, What's That Smells His Blood, Remy van Roy, Gaslight 88, and Bambi Parson shall receive our gratitude for their support and wise counsel. And we would also wish to send our thanks to the ancillary Colin Gifford, Harry Wyckoff, Anvihan, and Adam Dahl for their support. Likewise, our stalwart neonates shall, as always, receive our appreciation for their services. And thank you for watching. Now be careful out there. For Gehenna may soon be upon us.